Appreciate the fact that Dr. Kendrick was able to give a few words of testimony. His life indeed is a testimony of God's saving, changing grace. You know, sometimes doctors mess up. I heard about two little boys the other day, and one asked, Do you know why doctors use these masks when they operate? The other one said, No, why? Well, so if he messes up, nobody will know who did it. For these physicians in our church who are committed to the Lord and whose ministry and medicine do so much in relieving the suffering, the sickness of people. Let's pray together for a moment. There's so many people hurting, suffering, and in need. To talk about the subject that you've laid on my heart, Lord, I confess to you and to these, my brothers and sisters, my sense of inadequacy, my dependence upon you for your direction. Lord, may the Holy Spirit be our teacher. And this very night, because of truth, may lives be changed, may hearts and lives and bodies be made well. In the strong name of Jesus, our Savior and physician, we pray. Amen. Tonight, we're going to attempt to examine the Word of God as to what it teaches about healing. Before we do, let me share with you that there are three basic theological concepts or attempts to describe God's healing ministry. Very theological view. It's held by a great number of Christian people. Is that God's healing comes through artificial means. By using those in the medical profession. Their skills and talents. And medicines. That God heals. The traditional evangelical view is that healing does come through prayer. But that that healing is more of the exception than the norm. And then a third theological 
view is the classic Pentecostal and charismatic theology that says that God wants everybody healed now. And it's simply a matter of a person having enough faith to be healed. And of course, an extreme area of that view are those who believe that you should not even take medicines or go to physicians, but depend wholly upon what God will do. Well, as you look at those three views, I believe all of them have weaknesses. All of them are limited. And no one of them really expresses what I believe that Christians ought to hold to in practice today. Obviously, we need more healing than simply what the medical profession can offer. On the other hand, it's very difficult and confusing to believe that God can heal and does heal through prayer, but that it's not the normal thing. And then that charismatic view oversimplifies the problem. To simply say that God wants everybody healed, and it's a matter of faith, does not meet the reliability test. And so there's some truth, perhaps, in each of the views. We understand all that God is doing today. But I am convinced that the Bible teaches emphatically that God does heal today. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. But listen, that does not mean that God is already, that God always operates exactly today as he has in the past. Even though Jesus Christ is in essence, and all of his attributes have never changed. It does not mean that God works the same way in every age. The issue is not, can God heal? Can God perform miracles? But does he will to? as he knows what is best in our lives today. And so we want to ask and try to answer some questions. What causes illness? Is it always God's will to heal? If he does not heal, does this mean that there is sin in my life? Or there is a lack of faith. I invite you tonight to 
look with me at some scriptures. As we begin to lay a biblical foundation for some conclusions about divine healing. First of all, I believe that it is important for us to look at the cause of sickness. From the beginning of time, man has contemplated the mystery, the phenomena of suffering, disease, deformity, disability, and ultimately death. Where has it come from? Bible teaches that all of this has come as a product of Adam's fall. Look at Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verses 16. God said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For your dust, and to dust you shall return. All of the conditions implied in the curse, the divine curse upon man's disobedience will, according to Scripture, continue until God removes it and gives to us a new body Where there is no suffering. Whatever answer you may look for, the basic answer to why there is suffering and disability and all kinds of sickness and death, it's because of man's sin. You and I are a part of the human race that has been affected by man's sin, our sin. Specifically, this comes about because of personal sin. Now we examined that this morning. As we looked at James 5, where Paul, where James was saying very obviously that the case of that illness was because of sin that had been committed. And I shared with you the passage in 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul indicates that sin 
is responsible for the weakness, the sickness, and even the death of some people. In spite of all of the tremendous advances in medical science and the training of skilled physicians, such as Dr. Kendrick, disease and sickness continues to increase in our world. We accelerate that because of the use of alcohol, drugs, intemperance, gluttony, lack of exercise, sexual frenzy, smoking, our own personal sin and lack of discipline surely is responsible for a great deal of the sickness that people experience. Is it that there are those who will spend their health in gaining wealth, only to find in gaining wealth they've lost their health. They will give anything to regain what they dissipated. of suffering and sickness is Satan. You'll recall with me that Satan received permission from God to afflict Job. Of Jesus, we find that a great deal of the disease and illness that he dealt with was from Satan and his demons. He was yet a coming. The devil threw him down and tear him, records Luke, concerning that demon-possessed boy. Well, that's characteristic of what Satan has done through the centuries, through demonic oppression and possession from the beginning of time, Satan, who is out to destroy God's creation, afflicts us physically. But let me remind you that even though God will permit at times Satan to afflict you, God is sovereign and Satan is his delivery boy. For God has the power to work in and through what Satan is up to, to bring good to our lives and glory to his name. Satan is indeed God's delivery boy. 
place. The Bible teaches that there is deformity, disability, sickness, and suffering that is mysterious as far as the reason, except that it is for the glory of God. said unto Moses, who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or seeing or the blind, have not I the Lord? And then the psalmist says, the Lord does what he pleases. God's sovereignty, his omniscience, is beyond our comprehension. And so there is an area of sickness and suffering that is mysterious. We cannot understand, we cannot find the reason for it. As Jesus healed that young man who was blind from birth, He's asked, who sinned? Did this man or did his parents? And Jesus said, neither. But this is for the glory of God. Source the cause of Paul's thorn in the flesh. The great apostle did not know. And God did not choose to remove that thorn from his flesh, whatever it was. But God said to him, my grace is sufficient. And my strength is made perfect in the time of weakness. And God used this thing in Paul's life for his good, God's glory, and for our benefit. Man, I, I love and appreciate you young people. I praise God for you. They're sitting here just in great reverence, soaking up, involved in what the scripture is saying. And I wish you knew how much this encourages me to see you here uh, involved in a message. And I hope that this will lay a foundation in your lives. Even though you're young and know little of suffering in sickness one of these days and it may come before you know it the rains the clouds may come into your life and you like job will be trying to find some answers for the mysteries of suffering in your own life or that of your loved ones so thank you for what i see in your faces and in your lives and so now we've looked at some of the causes of sickness. It's not always, always easy to distinguish what is the root cause. More than likely, we can understand that our sin oftentimes is the source. 
but it's not always easy in every instance to answer the question, why did this happen? We can only say we're a part of the human race affected by man's sin, God's divine curse, and for this reason it's going to continue until Jesus comes and gives us a new body. Move on. I want us to look at the confirmation of divine healing in the Bible. As I indicated to you this morning in the close of the service, there are three clusters of miracles, including physical healing in the Bible. Oh, we find miracles in the ministry of Moses as it relates to the Exodus. Then, that period of miracles during Elijah and Elisha's ministries. First, that tremendous, unique unequaled period of miracles, including physical healing, during the ministry of the Lord Jesus and the apostles in that first century. You understand this truth in biblical history. It will help you in coming to balanced conclusions about physical healing today. All right, let's look at just a couple of the miracles in that cluster in the ministry of Moses. Numbers 12. Miriam was healed of leprosy. It took seven days, but after Moses prayed for, she was healed. Example, in Numbers 21, the children of Israel, through disobedience, their sin, were bitten by serpents. And God said, place a brazen serpent on a pole, and whoever looks in faith will be healed. And so it was. Multitudes of people were healed. In the ministry of Moses, there are those miracles of healing, as well as other miraculous phenomenon that attested to God's call and Moses' authority in that time of history. Then as we come to the ministry of Elijah and Elisha, in 1 Kings, chapter 17, is the story of the widow's son being raised by Elijah. We had time, we'd turn to these, but we've run out of time, and so I'll simply refer to them. In uh, 
Second Kings chapter four. And Francis, this is a real good one. When uh, Elijah came back, Elisha came back to Gilgal, there was a school of prophets, a bunch of preachers hungry in the midst of a famine. And so Elisha said, uh, you make them a pot of stew. And the servants went out and found some kind of gourds. Have you ever eaten any gourds? Remember a few years ago, I told you about the garden we had. And we got these beautiful squash and Molly cooked them. And we started to eat the squash and everybody just. What had happened was that the gourds that I had in the garden had cross pollinated with the squash. And even though the squash looked like good squash, they turned out just to be gosh. And so uh, they got these uh, gourds and made a pot of stew. And immediately these preachers had tomain poison. And they were belly aching, as preachers will do, right, Francis? <laughs> they were belly aching about uh, what they were eating and uh, sick. And Elisha, remember, said, get a handful of meal, and he cast in that handful of meal, and they tasted it was good, good stew. And so the Lord healed those preachers. And then I like the story of uh, Naaman, the Syrian, who was healed after dipping in the Jordan River for seven times. So here are just a few of some of the miracles that took place during the ministry of Elijah and Elisha. And then the third cluster of miracles is that during the ministry of our Lord during the first century church, Christ healing was absolutely phenomenal. It was unique and it remains unequal. Although Christ's miracles were abundant, he did not perform them indiscriminately. Always there was a reason. And there were occasions when Jesus would heal one person and there were multitudes standing about who were not healed. You remember that there were occasions when Jesus' physical Presence was not necessary, for he spoke the word and healing came to the soldier's son and servant. The healing ministry of Jesus is so beautifully set forth by Matthew. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Well, it seems all my pages are stuck together tonight. I changed my mind. It's Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. 
Let's begin reading about verse 14. And when Jesus had come to Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and began to wait on him. And when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. In order that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Matthew declares that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was not only to save men's souls, but to remove disease and infirmity. And so our Lord beautifully fulfilled what Matthew had predicted. And throughout his ministry, here we find the Lord Jesus touching diseased bodies, opening blind eyes, restoring deformed limbs, giving to men health and wholeness. And then, of course, following the ministry of Jesus are those miracles of healing during the apostles' time. We'll stop at this point and pick up next Sunday night as we continue to examine the biblical basis for balanced conclusions as to how God works and how we by faith can appropriate God's power to our lives today. As we come to these closing moments, there are those of you who tonight need to experience spiritual wholeness by trusting Jesus, by coming and giving your lives to him and allowing him to remove sin and to give you eternal life. Why don't you come and trust him? And some of you have already prayed that prayer, perhaps in your home. Come tonight and make it public. And take the other steps of following Jesus. There's some of you who need to come this evening and join this church by letter, by statement. As the Lord God speaks to your heart, would you step out tonight as we sing together, It Took a Miracle? What's the number, Steve? 626, It Took a Miracle. As we sing, as God is speaking to your heart, would you step out? And make those decisions that you should for Christ. Allow the voice of the Holy Spirit to have his way in your life tonight. Let's stand and sing. I 